0: Hi everyone, I'm Josh,
1: and I'm Jim, and this is the Dapper Meeple.
0: This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion.
1: So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language.
0: Also Dapper Meeple hat not required.
1: Hang on to your seats as the Best Little Gaming Podcast at Hampton Roads brings you the goods with the hidden gems of game stores around us.
0: We'll also give you the scoop on what in the hell all of those board game terms mean so you can find the games you'll love.
1: Plus, our positive spin on game reviews, some flying dogs, and how to give your TTRPG group the best pub crawl ever.
0: All of that and more on this episode of the Dapper Meeple.
1: So, I got asked an odd question this week, or at least I thought it was odd. Somebody who was relatively familiar with what we do uh, asked me if we would ever give a bad game review.
0: Um, I, I I think that's a very good question. So, <laughs> part of that, though, stems from the fact that we don't do that many game reviews.
1: Right, we're on episode 14.
0: Right. right? And not every episode has a game review in it, so... You know, we are about, I think, at eight or nine at this point,
1: something like that. Yeah.
0: So, considering our collection is quickly nearing the hundred game mark, um, very quickly, I don't feel like we really have a <laughs> a spot for a bad game at this point.
1: Right, and that's why when we when we kind of came up with this podcast, a lot of the stuff, like the naming conventions and what we call our different segments and stuff, that was one of them that I was real particular about like i call it games we play right right because it is stuff that we've done and i just don't think right now we've got room to do a negative game review
0: i i am very picky about the games that i buy right i i do i do a lot of research before buying games just that's the type of person i am Uh, Maybe we can talk one day about why board games are so expensive, but I feel like that's a whole other episode in and of itself. But I I like to watch videos, watch gameplays, do do the kind of research. I I don't back a lot of Kickstarters. I just don't because I am... I'm one of those people who just because it looks really good doesn't mean that I'm going to like it. Right. And I'm still discovering exactly what my tastes in board games are. I I have a pretty good idea of the games that I like, but still there have been surprises along the way. So I I don't really think there are too many games that we have that I would consider bad games.
1: Right. That and like, I mean, there's a lot of games. Like I think right now, If you go over onto Board Game Geek, they've got listed something like 93,000 games and expansions. Like, that's a lot of games. That's a lot of games.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you hear... So, if you follow people like the Dice Tower and listen to their videos, you hear Tom Vassell a couple times a year will be like, Look, we get sent so many games, I can't review them all. Right. And that
1: Did you, uh, we got to call Tom up and be like you want to push a little bit over this yeah, way. Or? I mean,
0: that's a funny story. We could probably, you know, see about how to join the Dice Tower network cuz they do do that, things like that. But anyway, um they they're always in excess of games because they are being manufactured and made and developed so quickly now that it's impossible for any even group of people like that to keep up with everything that comes out. Right. Right. But I will say they do, because they do so many reviews, they do have a few bad ones. Uh, And they, they actually will do like a top 10 segment every now and then of like games. I thought were going to be great and they weren't or games that had a great theme, but not a great game. That, that kind of thing.
1: I think a lot of it too is we don't, exclusively focus on board games in our show we do a little ttrpg we do a little bit of war gaming we're doing you know kind of expanding what we do Um, we talk a lot about what the what's going on in the community itself and like some of the ups and downs and some of the news and stuff so that could be another reason like i've listened to the guys um and they've got about i think they've got 14 episodes out now too or something like that but the board game famous guys right You can tell that they have got a lot of experience with board games. And there's some where they're just like, nope, I don't like that game.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think from our our makeup is much more of a mix uh, because while I am more into board games than you are, you are much more from the like tabletop RPG side.
1: Right, right, right. That's why there's a lot of things that I think that we do on here Um, like this show was us putting it together. Um, That whole gaming community, I think there's a lot of crossover. So, uh, you know, I want to go discuss all of them. We definitely have a love for the board game. Board games have been around for a while. Do you know the first official board game that uh, we have in history? Is it Go? No, I've got Ur. Oh. The Royal Uh, Game of Ur.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: Played in like Mesopotamia somewhere around 4,600 years ago. (laughs) Um, And it doesn't look bad. Like, I mean, I bet you could kickstart this thing and make it work you know what i'm saying like i read through it uh they were written on cuneiform tablets by babylonian astronomer in seven, uh 177 bc irving finkel was able to decipher the rules two players compete to race their piece from one end of the board to the other the central squares were also used for fortune telling which all right cool we get to, we get to <laughs> play board games and i find out if i'm going to get married ever again sign me up Sign me up. Two
0: birds, one stone kind of thing. Right? These Mesopotamian
1: (laughs) dudes had it going on. They figured this out.
0: Well, they were busy, like, planting crops and shit. They didn't have time to waste with, you know, (laughs) Well, you know,
1: they were trying to live. (laughs) Whatever, man. (laughs) All I hear is excuses. But then you, you know, you, there's been, I I can't tell you how many times I've read, like, stories where there are archaeologists who, like, have come out of tombs and stuff or have, you know, dug up, like, dice like there's 20 sided dice that existed in ancient Egypt
0: right and I think that goes back to what we talk about the importance and the benefits of gaming like it's more than just a a way for people to just spend time but it it really brings people together yes like around the table and through different experiences I mean that's been around for I mean forever
1: obviously yeah a while
0: yeah because I mean we we trace like you know, tabletop RPGs back to like storytelling, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that rituals, traditions and things like that were passed down for generations through that interactive storytelling medium. And it's the same thing we like strive to experience now. So it's, we want to see that sort of community and build that sort of community. So it just makes sense that it's been around for a long, long time. I
1: was going to say as far back as we've got recorded history. Right. So I just, uh, so I don't think we're ever going to, I don't think we're going to get to the point where we're going to do a negative game review. Like if there's a game that we just don't want to play, we just won't play it. Yeah. We have a shelf full of others <laughs> that we need to play. <laughs> we, so We have
0: a lot of games we should talk about that we enjoy that I don't know that we, uh, maybe one day we'll run out of other things to talk about and we'll have to do a games we don't like episode. But I don't know about you, but I would prefer to talk about a game that I do enjoy yeah. than one that I don't.
1: Right. Right. I I know that there's so there's so much out there on the internet that is just horrible clickbait. Like, do you think this game sucks too? Why would I why would I come watch that? So I know that, like I said, we've backed the uh, the Marvel Zombies Kickstarter and I can't tell you how many videos I've seen of people like, this is 10 reasons why you should not back this Kickstarter. But in every one of them, the guy starts off with like, well, I'm probably going to back it, but here's what you should. <laughs> the fuck are you? Get out of here. <laughs> you clown. So, yeah. I don't know. I was asked the question and I kind of thought about it. I was like, are we, just, are we just a really overly positive group of gamers here? And maybe we are, um, but I'm okay with that. Like again, We've done 9 reviews. There's 9 good games out there. So, I feel like I feel like we're starting off good.
0: Yeah. I I think that until we run out of good games to review, which I don't think would ever happen. I mean, and sure there I feel like one day we're going to have games that are mediocre.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I feel like we've had a
1: couple of those in our games we play segment or at least there's been the way that we rank them. There has been components that have been like, "Eh, they do what they're supposed to, but they don't yeah. really excite me. Yeah. Right? So
0: I, I think that's kind of probably the closest we're going to get to bad review.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So do I. So do I. But we should be able to get a lot more gameplay done. For the last two weeks, uh, we have been in the garage building a custom gaming table. Uh, we looked around for a while, and the design that we picked... Um, I found online I like kind of the overall design we've changed it as we've gone on uh it'll have like the TV in the center for like TTRPGs if you want to display maps or something underneath there we've also got like boards across the top so we could just play a board game up on top of there or set up something on top um it's it, like looking back on it I think like it's a pretty good piece of engineering for us
0: yeah I, I think we did we've done a good job so far
1: We'll definitely put some pictures up because I've been photo documenting as we go. Um, so we'll definitely put those up on our Instagram uh, to show where we are now. We're not finished. It's probably got another, I don't know what, another six hours of work left in it.
0: Probably something like that. Just staining, finishing, that sort of stuff. Right. till we get it in here. And disassembling to get it in the house.
1: Yes. Yes. That's going to be, uh, <laughs> somebody said something about it. I was like, man, that looks like it's going to be heavy. And I'm like, I'm trying not to think about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe we can get one of those dollies on wheels or something to put it on. Well,
1: the table's on wheels, and it's still going to be a pain in the ass.
0: (laughs) But it won't fit through a regular door.
1: That's true. That's true. Uh, But we'll get that up. We'll put some pictures up. uh, Maybe inspire some of you that are looking for something to do, somewhere to build. Um, That's kind of been my, like, when I bought this house last year, uh, one of the things that I was looking for, one, I had to have enough bedrooms for our mother who was moving in with us. Right. Um, And I guess that was a priority. Um. But one of the other things I looked for was I wanted a space that I could make a game room out of, right? I wanted a space where I could host a game night, people come over, we can pull stuff off the shelf or right. run a, you know, run a and d campaign out of here. And the last piece to that has been the table. Right. I say that, but now I find that because I had to put lights into the room um, and then the table. But now I'm finding that the last piece is actually going to be chairs. Yeah. <laughs> But that's almost, a you know, part and parcel of the whole kind of gig together, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> the main piece was probably the table. Right,
1: right. Uh, can we sit down while we're playing? No!
0: Because <laughs> that room's been, been sitting empty, fairly, or fairly empty since you moved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I got, I got
1: some stuff up on the walls. I got my pops up around the outside and a shelf to hang to finish that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted, though. But, you know, like you talked about, it's not just playing the games. It's not you know just the games themselves it is the interaction of people and you know have everybody over and throw some dice pull some games down find something that somebody might not realize that they enjoy doing um you know that's the kind of thing that i've been looking forward to so we'll take some pictures and put that up so you can see um what's the other big thing we got really going on? oh
0: uh, the other thing we need to um, get some help and interaction uh, on renaming our Kickstarter roundup section. So we did actually post a question on our Instagram uh, was about a week and a half ago, give or take. Yep. Uh, that asked for suggestions of what to rename our Kickstarter roundup to. Uh, we did get a couple of comments.
1: I think the yeah the two comments we got were panhandling <laughs> or Jonathan. Neither name I'm going to go with. If you're listening, just know we're not picking those.
0: Are you sure? I really feel like Jonathan is a winner. The Jonathan section. (laughs) But anyway. Uh, so we would like some, um, some interaction with that. Now I I know this is something we've asked for before, as far as like to get feedback from you guys, um, very specifically thinking of our know your character segment. Right. Um, and we have not received a lot of that, but we know we have a lot of new followers on Instagram, um, and our other social media. So we definitely want to hear from you guys. We want to interact with you. So feel free to um, pop off some suggestions. Um, hopefully, better than just a first name of someone,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? The whole and the whole thing behind us renaming the Kickstarter segment is when we first started this. Kickstarter was kind of our go-to for where new projects were coming from, and with our you know trip to PAX this year and looking around, there's other sites out there that are competing with Kickstarter yep. for business. For like, if you want to start a game or you want to introduce something new into this, uh, you know into the, the spectrum here. Kickstarter not the only one. So the crowdfunding, we want to make sure that we're including everyone and we're looking at all of the different possibilities so that we can find the ones that we like and bring those to you. And maybe, you know, you find a game. I know somebody was, I saw a comment that we were the reason that somebody backed uh, Heroes of Arcadia. Right. Uh, which is coming out this year, hopefully soon. Which just looks like a fun game to begin with. Um, well thought out, like who, who hasn't, who has ever made a drinking game and didn't make all the pieces waterproof? Like that is a stroke of genius that should have happened a while ago. Mm-hmm. So you know that things like that, we want to you know share our love for what we're doing, and hopefully you know you find something that clicks with you as well. So if you've got any ideas for a crowdfunding segment for the name, um, feel free to shoot them to us. If we do use your name, we will we'll tell you. We'll send you some um some dapper people swag we've got some lanyards and pins and stuff around that uh we're kind of working on on our marketing side uh but we'll definitely send you something uh as a thank you and show our appreciation for you know you getting involved yeah so all right well let's get on with the rest of the show So one thing you brought up in the opening um, was that you were more of a board gamer than I am. Right. Um, I know that you kind of came into this. We've talked about it um, more from the board gaming side when you were in college around that time. Um, I was not because one of us was smart enough to go to college and the other one was not. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, you say
0: that like one of us doesn't have a bunch of student loan debts still trying to pay off.
1: <laughs> Just going to win this one out in the long run. All right. <laughs> uh, no, but I uh, I enlisted in the Navy uh, right after high school. So uh, my period there of growing was somewhat different. Um, and then that's kind of where I found my way into uh, TTRPG, starting out originally with uh, second edition D&D. But as I am kind of learning new board games and getting into that part of the hobby as well, there's been a lot of things that I've had to pick up. And one of the big ones has been just the like lexicon around board games.
0: Yes, there is a ton of various names and phrases and all sorts of things. And we use them too in in TTRPGs. I mean, there's one right there, right? <laughs> that it's the same thing. You you just have to learn what they mean, um, what. They describe. Uh, we use them in our gaming uh, reviews of the games we play. We talk, we bring some of these up. Uh, we talk about them with our Kickstarters as well. Um, there are some broad categories that kind of describe board games. Um, we'll talk about a few of them here. And by no means is this like the end all be all list oh, no. uh, of terms because there are much more than this. If I'm not mistaken, I think there's a whole glossary on Board Game Geek. There is.
1: I was looking at that, and there looks. I mean, there are hundreds of terms in there.
0: Right. These are some of the more um, more used terms that describe both like categories of games as well as just general mechanics that happen in games. Right. Right. So we try. I know we've tried in the past to make sure when we use a term to kind of explain it, because obviously not all of our audience or people who might hear this maybe well versed in what we're talking about sure so we've tried to do that in the past um but this is just going to be kind of a list to go through and talk about some of these lesser known terms um kind of what they mean what they describe maybe some examples of where they happen in different games and stuff like that
1: well let's start out with the first two um and we were just talking about this uh these first two that we're going to talk about these are a broad kind of description of a lot of different types of games. Like a lot of games could fall into either of these categories and they're not necessarily about the mechanic.
0: Right. Uh, A few. So let's just, we'll go ahead and toss the the category. So they are the Euro game um, and then Ameritrash as it's lovingly known uh, are two very broad descriptions of games. um, And usually they have kind of a similar, uh, make up to the game so euro games usually tend to be games that um, have less player interaction in them normally players can't be knocked out of the game for whatever reason okay um, if you think about um, one of the things that i love about games like ticket to ride and Catan is that exactly right there whoever sits down to play the game is playing the game till the end of the game right um, which is definitely refreshing from you know games that i played when I was younger, like Monopoly and things like that, where you get knocked out and you're out for, you know, another hour until the game's over. Uh, That's one of the things that usually makes a Euro game a Euro game. Uh, One, another thing is the lack of real player interaction. Most of the time in Euro games, there's not a lot of like ways to get the other opponents. Um, A lot of them even go so far as you could play the game, the whole game without ever interacting with your opponent. So if you think of games that include like resource gathering and um, worker placement and stuff like that, a lot of times it's building up your own board or supplies or gathering your own points without really interacting with your opponents in the game.
1: Okay, I can see that.
0: Um, Euro games tend to have, they will have a theme, but a lot of times what you are doing in the game doesn't really match the theme.
1: Right, like it could be, you know, they could be named, it doesn't really matter what the name is, at the end of the day, you're just, you're gathering this resource, whatever it may be, like Catan, like you just, you're gathering that.
0: Yeah, very similar to Catan, Catan's a little more on the random side of it, there are a couple games, um, Agricola and Caverna, which are kind of considered sister games, Um, they are a lot of um, resource gathering and like, um, kind of building up your civilization type kind of games. Uh, and it's very much you're just like picking the space you're moving your dude to and you're getting the thing. You know, one space will be your gathering crops. One space will be your raising livestock. But you're still just moving the guy to the space. Right, right.
1: That space doesn't so, necessarily have a name or anything exactly. crazy like that.
0: Some A lot of times Eurogames teams tend to have where their theme doesn't really translate into game mechanics. Okay. Um, which is not to say that's a bad thing. It's. It depends on where you sit on how you like theme in your board games, but that just tends to be a more, more Euro style of game. Uh, then you get to um, Ameritrash, which is was lovingly coined by people who love Euro games. Okay. Um, originally, it was just this is the American style of games. Um, I figured as much. It's kind of sounded like they were somebody was taking a jab. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I th- I believe that most people from that camp have lovingly accepted that as the term.
1: We're taking it back, baby.
0: Yeah. So uh, this these tend to be much bigger, kind of theme heavy games. Okay. Uh, a lot of these have dudes on a map. Um, That kind of thing, they are usually like table spectacles. Right. I got you. So other things with these, they usually do include a lot more player interaction. Um, It is not necessarily a game where the players are in the game till the end. Like there is player elimination and things like that. Much more common in this, this type of game. Uh, These games include, uh, like I said, mostly dudes on a map, stuff like uh, Blood Rage, Rising Sun, um, that kind of series of games is really these. Right. Uh, There are others that, I mean, just really kind of anything that is really theme heavy. I
1: was going to say, so something even like Risk would fall into this category. Yeah, absolutely. Clank, any of those that we played.
0: Um, Definitely something that is more... Um, like your the theme actually translates more into the gameplay okay uh, is is what I would say falls under this now, these are in no means like hard and fast rules uh because there are games that kind of blur the line in between them, okay, um, and those are affectionately known as euro trash games, um uh, which they tend to combine elements of both um there may be like a a more theme filled element with that kind of player's play throughout the whole game, so that's Again, these are kind of just broader categories that refer to different games. Um, It's not something that is very specific because you can have two Euro games or two Ameritrash games that while they still fall under those broad terms, they can be two completely different games. Right,
1: right. So this is really wide open. Like I said, this has less to do with so much of the mechanic and just kind of more of the style of game that was coming out.
0: Like personally, I tend to lean more towards the Ameritrash games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy a theme greatly in my games, yeah, and I enjoy that that theme being translated into game mechanics as well. Right, I, I'm not opposed to a euro game. Some of them, though, especially when you get into the like the marketing style games, which we we actually don't have any. <laughs> Um, But those type of games, uh, the ones that I've played, tend to be kind of dry. Yeah. Uh, And it's just really not my style.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: But not to say, obviously, it's not a bad thing if that's what you enjoy. I mean, more power to you. Uh, I just enjoy... I enjoy the big splashy games, the ones that look cool, the ones that their mechanics are cool. They do things that make you feel like you're part of whatever that game is doing.
1: Right. and that, what I found is that I kind of lean more that way as well. Like give me the good minis, give me the flashy theme, give me the asymmetrical, you know, I get to decide who I'm going to be because they do this thing, you yep. know, that's kind of definitely been more my style. And, I, I think coming from a, a TTRPG background, that makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of that is about storytelling and stuff. So I'm going to do the same thing on your damn board game. So <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons I was drawn to things like Cultivate and uh, the Lord of the Rings yep. uh, game. That Journeys we, in Middle-Earth. Journeys of Middle-Earth. Like I loved that was a campaign in a box, Yeah, you know, but it was very much you choose your character because they could do these things well Yep, and kind of offset each other in the party. So, yeah. So those are just two kind of general categories. In case you hear those kicked around, uh, that's what they mean. But they're not necessarily, like I said, it doesn't cover everything.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely not hard and fast rules. Um, it's more of this game is kind of, kind of fits in this camp over here. Right. But then we start talking about specific mechanics. Yes. And this is where uh, when you watch reviews or you see people talking about games on Kickstarter or wherever you kind of take in media and you hear them refer to certain games with certain rules. It's usually referring to the mechanics in the game. Right. right. So um, just to start off, if we say this game is a deck building game, um, you know, there are a lot of questions of, okay, well, what does that even mean? So, Deck building, for instance, uh, is a term that can be kind of broad, but in general, it usually means each player starts with a small deck of cards that is usually uniform. Uh, so there are some variations in it, depending on if you have like asymmetrical player powers or something like that. But either way, each player starts with a small deck of cards, and your goal is to add cards to that deck by either buying or defeating monsters or whatever, um, to build that deck into something that is better. Right. So okay. there are a couple of very common um, deck builders out there. The probably the granddaddy of all deck builders is Dominion. Yeah. Um, which I don't think you've probably ever played.
1: I've seen it, and I just yeah.
0: Yeah, so Dominion um, can be very can be very dry, um, but now it has, I don't know, probably like 15 expansions. It's crazy. Um, there are probably hundreds of different combinations of cards that you can get um, to actually be building the deck. Uh, but one of my favorites actually is um, a fairly newer game that we talked about is uh, Moonrakers. Yes. Um has deck building in it. Um, and really, it's all about taking the cards that you have and then using those resources to buy better cards, buy better things to make your future turns better.
1: Got it. Got it.
0: Um, Usually there's some sort of goal, whether it is gaining victory points in the deck or trying to complete objectives or something along those lines. But the same thing that is across all deck builders is really using what you have to make your deck builder better. So you are building your deck.
1: Got it. So how, I know we don't really discuss it here, but that is very different from, say, like a trading card game or a collector card game. Like,
0: Yeah, so most games that are like trading card games or collectible card games, usually you come to the game with a deck built.
1: Right, so you're um, talking Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, right. Pokemon, those kind of games.
0: The difference the difference in that would be if you are drafting to make those cards or if you're using like a sealed pool or something like that, you know, specifically Magic the Gathering, thinking of that. Yeah. But while you are playing the game, you are not building your deck. Got it. So that is kind of the big difference. Whenever you actually sit down to play those games, you sit down with a a deck that you've already right, built. Right. I was going to say you already have it put together. Yeah. For the deck building games, you sit down and during the course of the game, you are actually improving making those deck. decisions and building your deck as you go.
1: Worker placement. I hear this one a lot, and I think we've played a few of these.
0: Yeah, so uh, one of the ones we've played actually is uh, Raiders of the North Sea. Yes. Uh, which it actually takes the worker placement like usuals and kind of tip them over a little bit, which is cool. Um, but worker placement usually just uh, in a broad definition describes a player taking their action by putting like one of their workers, so it's usually a meeple piece or something like that, on a certain spot and taking the action or resources from that spot. Got it. So it's very simply that you are choosing a place to put your worker. Okay. So one thing that... Raiders of the North Sea does that most do not do is that when you, you place one worker, you get to immediately pick up another worker and take the second action as well. So that was a cool little feature when they came out with it. Cause normally you place your worker, you take the action and that's, that's all you get to do um, with worker placement. You do get the benefits of trying to block opponents from taking certain actions. There are usually only like a certain number of spots for certain actions. So that kind of thing is always in, in those types of games. Um, but there are all sorts of um, variations on this. But very simply, if it is a worker placement game, your actions as a player or at least part of your actions are going to be choosing spots to place those workers.
1: Got it. Got it.
0: These usually fall more into the Euro game category. That's a very common element of Euro games. Um, The ones I mentioned earlier, actually, uh, Agricola and Caverna, Mm -hmm. that is how you make your decisions on what you're doing that turn. Um, Again, Raiders of the North Sea and um, also Paladins of the West Kingdom, um, they are all like have this kind of same element in there of the worker placement. I mean, it's a very popular element and a lot of games have begun to move from this being the main element of the game to being like a sub part of the game. Um, the other one, uh, the next one that comes up quite often is a tableau building. So we talked about this one with specifically with cultivate, right? Yeah. So normally in tableau building, each player has a board in front of them that is different from everyone else's. Right. Right. Um, it will have some sort of pattern or something like that on that, that you're trying to fill. Um, so, in Cultivate specifically, you're trying to fill up your board, which is your compound, with different types of followers. Right.
1: There's, yeah, the four or five different types of followers you can bring in.
0: Right. So, on this, they usually there is a shared pool of resources in the middle, uh, whatever it is. Um, another common one that is on this is called Azul. Azul, yep. Yep. The tile lane game. So, there is a common... Um, pool of tile in the middle that you get to choose from to help build out the tableau that you have in front of you. Right. And then once the round is over, the turns are over, then you tally up what you have based on how you have built your tableau. Um, Now there are some really cool variations on this uh, type of game. Uh, Specifically the, um, the castles of Mad King Ludwig are really cool uh, where you're actually trying to build like the interior of a castle. Um, there is a combination version of that where you are actually building a castle with the neighbor on each side of you. right? Um, so that, that is really cool. Um so the, they have taken this element, which has been around for a long time, and a lot of games have really kind of worked with it and massaged it and made it into something a lot cooler than just trying to fill up a grid on your board.
1: Now, a lot of these, are that they end up being more competitive type games because you're all competing for the same resources?
0: Yes, this is usually definitely a competitive um, element or a competitive mechanic in that kind of game. Okay. Because uh, usually everyone has their own... Objectives and board that they're trying to do, uh, it very rarely is a um, is able to be worked into cooperative. Right. But in that case, there are some games that do include different elements of these in a way that, like, one person has to solve this tableau in order to like further the goal of the whole group.
1: Right. So okay.
0: that that kind of thing does exist. Um, but normally, this mechanic is found in like a competitive type game. Got it. So speaking of that, let's let's go to talking about competitive and cooperative. Okay. Yeah. So that obviously these terms are pretty well known just across the board. It it just makes sense what they are. Um, but when it comes to gaming, you have cooperative and then what is called semi-cooperative. Um, So the difference there is in cooperative games, it's very straightforward. The team of players is playing against the game. Got it. You are trying to do whatever the objectives are, win the game, that sort of thing. Um, These games, uh, really, Pandemic is the one that kind of really turned things on its head when it came to this. Um, Really kind of set the the mold for what it means to be a good cooperative game.
1: Got it. So... Semi-cooperative, are we talking something like Nemesis? where? You-
0: yes, so semi-cooperative usually lends itself to having what is called a traitor mechanic where one of the players is actively trying to um, work against the rest of the group. So you mentioned Nemesis, which is one of my favorites of like a newer set. Right. Probably the most well-known among board gamers is the Battlestar Galactica game. Okay. Um, because apparently, the I've not played it personally. Um, it's really hard to get your hands on at this point. But I hear that the traitor mechanic with the Cylons is something that is uh, absolutely amazing. So the way they bring it in, the way it's easier to hide, um, and just kind of working throughout the group right. um, is really good. So usually what this trader mechanic has is a one player will get a objective that is a secret objective from the rest of the group that has them sabotaging the mission in some way.
1: Got it. Got it. Um,
0: So in nemesis, for instance, your secret objective can be anything from make sure player number one does not make it off the ship to make sure that the ship explodes and you're the only one who survives like things like that. And the game is, is cool because it facilitates that in different ways. Nemesis specifically, like every time you check the engines, you do them in secret. That's right. So you're not allowed to show the other players. So that way, if you are the trader, you can actually make them malfunction and no one will know unless somebody checks behind you.
1: Got it. Yeah,
0: um, So things like that really um, like, I, I like when they include those kind of things in in the game mechanics. Um, but those those are pretty straightforward for a cooperative and then a competitive games, of course. Um, but those tend to lead into an, another kind of game element, which is common in those trader mechanics, and that is social deduction. Yes, yep.
1: We've so, talked about a couple of these. Um, oh, what was the the night tower or the clock tower? Help me out. Blood on
0: the clock tower. Blood on the clock tower. Yeah, blood on the clock tower. So that is a. That's a rather new kind of... It's a, gr- a great social deduction game that I don't think has the popularity that it should because of printing. Right. Or I think they've had trouble kind of keeping up with demand on it. Um, but everything I've heard about it seems to be really, really good. There is a much more common one uh, that is known as Secret Hitler.
1: Okay. I've heard um, about this one. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that one is still widely played online. Um, And in fact, some groups get so angry about it that if you don't know the best strategy, like they get upset at you, which is crazy. But yeah, so (laughs) it's good to know that there's good
1: gatekeeping going on in a a game called Secret Hitler. Yeah, Yeah, that kind of that makes me feel better about the world.
0: All right. So one of the games that we actually have picked up that we haven't had a chance to play yet is Deception Murder in Hong Kong. So, in this game, you are want the roles that you get are either the detective or you can have um, the actual person um, who is the killer. You can be a witness to the murder. Um, you can be an accomplice, depending on how many players you have. Right. Um, most players are going to be the detectives trying to figure out who solved the murder um or who did the murder but each player has in front of them like four or four cards of each set uh, four of them are like weapons and then four of them are um like i think they're like locations i again we haven't had a chance to play yet but i've watched a few videos on it it looks hilarious because you are trying to figure out who the murderer is And there are accusations being thrown around because everybody can see the cards in front of everyone else. Right. Um, The person who is kind of running the game is like the forensic specialist. So they can't really say anything as as far as like what it was or who it is. Um, But they try to kind of gently lead the group that way um, through using – there's like five different cards they have with multiple options on it that are very vague. Right. But they are trying to like – Of course they are. Yeah, trying to push the group that way. So that one looks very fun. Again, these games, Social Deduction, are all about trying to find who in the group is like what role.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So normally they, um, you'll have some sort of of killer or traitor or something like that, that you are trying to figure out who that person is. Um, So that kind of ties up that one. Um, One of the other ones that has become very common in the past year or so are Roll and Write games. Now, these are not new by any stretch of the imagination. This mechanic has been out for a long time. But I think with people being stuck at home, a lot of game streamers found out that they could play these with like their entire audience at the same time.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. I could see how that would work.
0: Yeah. So the Brothers Murph actually are the ones that come to mind. Um, because they were putting on roll and write games for hundreds of people at the same time, right. which is hilarious. Like, that's, that's cool. Um, so, roll and rights are a very simple concept. Uh, one player will have the dice, and everyone else will have a specific board in front of them. Now, this board can be anything from something they just write numbers in to fill in, or in the game called Welcome to, you're actually building a neighborhood. <laughs> oh, so, nice. Yeah. Um, so the person with the dice will roll the dice and then everyone uses those numbers to build or to do whatever they need to do on their specific pad. And then this goes on for a few rounds until the objective is reached or there's a point total, something along those lines, just depending on the type of game. So this one is very simple, very straightforward. Uh, I kind of liken it to somewhat like a bingo if you if you think of kind of how bingo functions, you have the one guy pulling the balls like up at the front and then everybody else uses whatever number of letter combination that was and then goes down on their list to see fill in their own board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very similar to how this is. Obviously, it's not the same. There are a lot more room for creativity and like being able to make decisions. It's not just hope you get lucky and have the letter number that was pulled. Got it. Um, But yeah, so that is that one. Uh, One of the other ones that I really want to talk about are legacy games.
1: Yes. Now, I think my first experience with legacy games was Clank Yes. that we played. So we have the Acquisitions Incorporated version of Clank Legacy, which, from what I can tell, means the legacy games are the ones that each board ends up being different eventually.
0: Right. So legacy games are usually usually meant to only be played a certain amount of times. Okay. Um, And what that means is there are elements in each game that change as you're playing the game. So every playthrough or every session of this game, there is something that affects future sessions. So it can be anything from the board itself changing through means of like putting things on it, taking things off of it, something along those lines to, adding new rules or new elements to the game, which is very common in like the pandemic legacy series. Right. Um, it could even be adding whole parts to the board. Right. So sections that were not there the first time you played, maybe new areas that are now on the board. Um, usually legacy games, you will play them for, you know, the 10 sessions or whatever. And then that's it. That's the story that you played through. Um, One of the reasons why a lot of people have problems with legacy games because they feel like you're it's tough to get your money worth out of a game for that, yeah. But to alleviate that, a lot of games like Clank uh, made it to where once you have played through the legacy portion of it, now you have this game board that is unique to you, right? Because of the decisions that you made throughout playing the game and the things that happened but you can still actually play the game on the board. Right. Which I think is a great idea. Um, I'm perfectly happy with having a different board than somebody else, just because of the decisions we made. Plus every time you play that going forward, you're going to see the reasons why your board is different. And you're going to remember those instances of why your board is different. Right. Right. So uh, legacy games though, it's, it's become less popular. There were a couple years where, like, everything was getting a legacy game. Sure, sure. Um, But I think kind of the big hitters on it, Clank Legacy obviously did really well. Pandemic now has had three legacy versions. Right. Speaking of which, we still need to get Season Zero to the table. Um, And... There was one that came out from Stonemeyer called Charter Stone. Yes, uh, that a lot of people really enjoyed. Uh, it was a true legacy game, though, where like once you played through those ten sessions, that was it; you were done. There was there was no more game to be played. Box so, it up, hanging on well, the wall. They they actually sold a refresh kit for it. Um, I think it was like fifteen bucks, something like that, where you could start over um, and like replay through. Like it had all new stickers, all new boxes, that sort of thing. So, and
1: I, I can understand like the apprehension to that. Like I bought this game and we played it and we had our fun with it, but now it's kind of like, what am I going to do? Hey, for fifteen bucks, I'll let you do that again. Like
0: I think part of it though was there was no way to to see all the content.
1: Yeah.
0: So there was enough going to be different on the second playthrough that it was that, still worth it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I mean, you think about you play, you pay sixty bucks for a board game. You sit down, even with two people and you play 10 sessions i mean that's three bucks a person
1: i was gonna say we haven't even finished clank legacy yeah so there's that and we bought that at pax in 2018 yep yep so uh, our 2019 yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I've also I've heard Risk Legacy is really good.
0: Yeah, so that was one of the first ones really to kind of adopt the legacy style, uh-huh. and uh, from what I have heard about it, is a lot of people like Risk Legacy over regular Risk.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: and I think that's I mean that kind of game seems to lend itself towards
1: that would make sense.
0: Yeah. Um. Mm. But yeah, so that is the legacy games. The other mechanic that I want to talk about is one that is um kind of lesser used. Uh, it's the Rondell mechanic.
1: I've heard the term before, but I never understood exactly what they meant.
0: Yeah, so it, it has come up recently in a couple of big name games. Um, so specifically Great Western Trail uh, was one that has it as well as uh, Teo uh, which was not it was actually a pretty popular game for a little while. Um, if people could get past the name. Uh, But what the Rondell system is, is usually there is a circular like track somewhere on the board where it has different actions or things that you can pick up from it. Um, You start with your person on the track and usually the next spot or the next couple spots are available for you to take for free. If you want anything past those spots, there you have to pay some sort of price. Whether it's another resource or maybe it's time or a turn or something. Something you had to pay to be able to get the stuff from a further spot. Got it. Okay. So it's a very simple mechanic. Um, one of the games that I know we played that kind of used this is um, actually, I don't know if you've ever played it, but Patchwork. So it has that's a quilt building game. Yep, that is. So you start with all the pieces in a giant circle and you have the chooser piece wherever it starts, and then you can pick from the next three pieces if you want. Okay. Or you can spend part of the time track to move forward and go from there.
1: Got it. Got so
0: it's a very simple mechanic, but it is a term that if you heard it, you would probably have no idea what it means. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so those are a few of just general board game terminology, probably some of the more common ones, right? Like we said, this is nowhere by any means a definitive list of all the things you would ever need to know about board games. Um, but I think it's a decent start. If you do want to find out more, definitely go check out, like I said, board game geek has a full glossary of board game terms that cover tons more than what we talked about here. Um, and of course These are more common terms that you'll probably hear us use. And hopefully, in the future, if we ever use others that we didn't talk about, we'll be able to describe them then.
1: That sounds good. So, there you guys go. Uh, For those of you taking your first steps into the board game world, maybe we'll make it a little bit easier. So we're a Hampton Roads podcast, right? Like we record out of Virginia Beach. And when we talk our local game stores, we are talking about the area around us. Now, we've often encouraged you to go to your local game store if you're looking for stuff. Um, You know that you can find it cheaper in a lot of other places. Right. But uh, keeping these game stores open, I think, is a community thing where, sure, you can order whatever you want on Amazon. But, I mean, and if that's what you need to do um, for affordability, totally understand. But, I mean, go to your game store every now and then and throw them a couple bucks. Show up at their play events, you know, especially if they're running them. Support that stuff, you know. Buy the candy and snacks that they got behind the counter um, and just kind of to keep them open. Um, We've talked about the ones that are kind of prevalent here. Uh, Atlantis, Tower of Games um, are probably the two biggest. Both of them have two locations in our area. Um, But what we were looking for this weekend were the lesser-known kind of places to find games.
0: Right. So we we did a segment uh, early in the podcast about the game stores in the area, um, very specifically ones that we actually went around. We went to all of them. We did a couple of events at a few of them just to kind of learn them, talk about them, give them you know, a little bit of kind of press on it. Uh, one of the things we didn't realize... Is that there are a lot of stores in the area that do not tout themselves as game stores uh, until very recently, where you actually were up in the Hampton area mm-hmm. and happened to go to a store looking for some paints, right?
1: Yeah, I needed a I needed a new brush uh, for minis.
0: Yep, and then stumbling in the shop, you realized that. First of all, the place was huge. Second of all, there's a lot of gaming stuff there.
1: Right. There's a lot of stuff that I would not, and and from the name of it, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, it didn't jump out at me real quick that, oh, this is an actual game store. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we did, uh, we took a Saturday and we drove around and we were looking for the Hampton Roads hidden gems of game stores. And we found several that really were, there was some surprising stuff that we found. Yeah. Um, And definitely some kind of an interesting uh, kind of mix of what's out there and what's available.
0: Yeah, we also found some, of course, that were not. Not great.
1: Right. Right. Some and some of them just cater to something else. There was a couple yeah. of the comic shops that yeah. I thought may have some gaming related stuff. If they did, for the most part, it was magic and it was very specific. Yeah. Um, so, but they kind of cater more to that, uh, to that comic book kind of uh, audience, which again, huge crossover, I'm sure. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. But there's definitely some out there um, that are like, if you're a hardcore gamer, you're going to want to check these out. Um, I'm going to start with cool stuff and I'm a little embarrassed that I lived like a mile and a half from this place for years and I didn't realize it was there. Uh, we, uh, we kind of did like an internet search and did some research to map out where we were going to drive and this one came up and the store is called cool stuff. And I've actually had a friend of mine be like, Hey, do you know about this store? And I kind of wrote it off as like,
0: no, I haven't heard of it. See, I also heard about this store from a friend they asked if I had ever been there, and my first reaction was, "Oh, I wonder if it's like Cool Stuff Inc., which is a very big online presence as far as in gaming and stuff." So that was my first thought, and then after that, I didn't, I didn't think about it again because uh, they had grouped it with. We have another place here that is mainly like um, pops and kind of that that sort of thing, toys and things like that, and yep.
1: figurines, and yeah. Yeah. So
0: I grouped them in automatically with that and then just kind of went from there. Right. Um. So to be fair, they do have a lot of that stuff. I was going to
1: say that makes up a, a huge chunk of the product that they had in there. I mean, there was figurines from, I mean, I'm talking Star Wars, the anime, video games. Like mm-hmm. if you want something to display on a shelf somewhere, this would definitely be a good spot to go look for it.
0: Yep. They also had a lot of like movie type stuff, um, including like display features, as well as just general Blu rays, DVDs, Mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. Uh, But then back in the back corner, there was a little section of board games.
1: And I was surprised that a lot of the board games they had there were um, expansions that maybe I hadn't heard of. Um, There was a lot of it looked like hard to find kind of like very specific type of like board games and expansions and stuff back there.
0: Yes, whoever is doing their buying has a very like specific eye. Yeah. Um, because it was definitely not your mainstream. This is like what you would normally find in a larger store. Right. Um, there were, first of all, one of, one of the games that I have picked up recently and have been enjoying playing at work, um, is Onitama. It's a small two player game, kind of akin to like a chess type. Um, it's very tactical, that sort of thing. Uh, they had not only the base game, which I was unable to find anywhere except for online. Um, but they also had all three of the expansions for it, including the one that just recently came out. Right. Which is, is rare to find one of them.
1: Much less all three of them together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely... and When I spoke to the, uh, the girl that I checked out with up front, she said that their game guy um, specifically looks for a lot of those types of games to get his hands on. So that, I mean, it's kind of the obscure game, like you said, that a lot of people can't find or something they're looking yeah. for. I know I picked up a expansion to Rising Sun. Right. Um, Which is a game that we've had. I think it was the first game that we did in our games to play segment. I think so. Um, So now we can play it with six people once we get a table to play it on. Yep. Um, But yeah, it was really like I like the store. Like if you're looking for something and you're having trouble finding it or you want an expansion, I think this is a good place to start looking. One of the big things, too, is that they are expanding. Right. They did just get the, the space next to them as well. So they're doing the construction on that, but she said uh, the 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 woman that I spoke to there said that they would be expanding it and really expanding their gaming and uh, into like some TTRPGs and some uh, collectible card games and stuff like that. Yeah. So they'll be doing it there. Um, no events. It didn't. It looked like like they don't run events out of there.
0: Yeah, they didn't. I I don't think yet. I think it's part of what they're looking to expand into. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't look like they really have a space right, right. now. Um, obviously we couldn't see, they had everything kind of blocked off where they're doing the construction. Sure. But I think once they get that opened up, I think that's kind of, seems to be kind of the general game plan for them.
1: Right. And we don't really have press passes yet, so we couldn't just
0: (laughs) barge in there. Not yet. Um, but yeah, so definitely a cool store to check out, especially if you are into, you know, pops, miniatures, uh, or not really miniatures, but like things to display on a shelf. Right. Stuff like that. They had a lot of really cool stuff like that.
1: So next up on our list, I've known about this one for a while, and I think we might have talked about it a little bit. But we do have a Games Workshop store. It's located over in the Hilltop District um, of Virginia Beach, so out towards the oceanfront. It's got some kind of weird hours, though. They they don't open till 1130, uh, and I think they close at like 2 for an hour, and then they're open again. Uh, they're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, and all of this is because of staffing Right, Because the manager's the only guy that works there.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I actually haven't been over to this one. I've seen it yeah. um, being over in that area, but I haven't actually been inside of it. But again, I'm not very big with the wargaming, so... Sure. I, I know you really discovered it with your recent foray into...
1: yeah, Yeah, the kill team, the Warhammer stuff. Um, Which is, you know, Games Workshop is the company that produces Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, Warhammer 40K. um, There's the Kill Team boxes now. There's the Aeronauticus game, Blood Bowl. Like, they've got options now. They're all pretty much the same thing. Like, general, you get your mini, you put your mini together and paint it. Or maybe you don't, whatever. If you like having gray minis. Um, (laughs) and, And then you go play the game, right? Uh, the games workshop over here is kind of fantastic though. If you're new to this and you're just getting into it, walk in there. Uh, like I said, the manager is the only person working Uh, guy's name's Preston. Cool dude. Like, I mean, he will just talk to anybody that comes in the store and he's really big about like, Hey, what are you looking for? Are you new to this? Cool. Let me show you how to do it. They've got a table set up inside there so you can run a couple of games and then there's a table off to the side for like painting and stuff like that because, for the Warhammer, especially the Warhammer, the war Gaming community, there is the gaming side of it. But there's very much also the painting side of it, right. which is almost its own hobby in and of itself. Um, like Henry Cavill will tell you all about it. Uh, so going in there, um, like just kind of going in there for the first time, uh, I was looking for I was looking for paints. I was looking for you know, stuff because I was already kind of going with the kill team and he was i mean really great about hey here's what you know here's what this does and you know here's all the tools that we have and here's you know the good ways to paint it you know yeah. i asked him about painting my orcs and he's like oh yeah here he's like do this and then layer this on top of it and then dry brush it like he'll walk you through the steps of it and stuff he also offers stuff like uh painting classes if you give him a call he goes give me at least 24 hours notice i'll sit you down and he'll be like okay we'll do like a base coat.' and you're like all right I knew what a base coat is. He was like, all right, you have no problem with that. Cool. So you move on. So do like a dry brush or do like a a glaze or like a different painting technique or something like that. You know, do your highlighting. And from there, he'll figure out where, where, where you start your learning at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So really good. And then if you want to demo the games, like he will, you know, step by step how to play the game so you can learn from scratch. Um, They do do a couple of things like uh, he has a league on the weekends. I know for uh kill team as well as they are running like a campaign I guess you can run through Warhammer I haven't gotten that far into it yet hmm. um but yeah so you can like play through the campaign earn points stuff like that yeah yeah um definitely a cool little shop if you're if you're into it and this is your first time uh, we went over there and I've taken a friend of mine too he was interested in starting to paint minis and was like hey this is your first time cool here's a like here's like a little book and like a, a like a pamphlet on what we do the things you know that are available where to start from um he gave him like he's given us a couple of like minis to put together like they were the snap together minis but you can glue them if you want to um and so you got somewhere to start with your painting yeah. and stuff um just kind of a little like get to get started package it had like the websites and stuff that they have all their um their stuff available on is their information and their right, products right. Um, So that was a really cool little shop. I want to make sure that we talked about that one for anybody that's interested in getting into Warhammer.
0: So a couple of the others that we went to, um, we did stop at a few comic book shops here in the Virginia Beach area. Right. um, Which they were very much all comic books. Yeah,
1: they were definitely, like we talked about at the beginning, very focused on the comic book side of it. And like they may have had some magic or something. But it seemed like those were more kind of uh, like people might have came in and traded in like some valuable cards or something. Yeah. I'm like It's not a lot of not not a lot to really feed into the gaming side of it.
0: Right. Um, but then we crossed over the water um, and went up to Hampton and Newport News area. Um, there we found a couple of very good places. So this one is actually the one that you first found and kind of sparked this whole thing. Right. Um, and that's the world's best comics.
1: Like I said, I was looking for a paintbrush. I had the day off, so I was spending the day up there um, at my girlfriend's place. And she had to go to work. So I was painting minis. And I needed a brush. And I ended up running over there. Um, and just kind of walked in. And the name of it is World's Best Comics and Games. And I'm like, alright. Well, it says that they have some paintbrush stuff. And when I pulled up, they had the big the Astaris, the Space Marine cutout yeah. in the big front window. So I was like, alright, well this has potential. Um, and I walked in there. And I was really surprised with what I found. I mean...
0: Yeah, um, first of all, the the space is huge. Yeah,
1: it's definitely a lot bigger on the inside.
0: Yeah, it's... (laughs) Uh, But they have so much uh, just product everywhere. Yeah. and it's really across all different lines. Like, they have a ton of really good board game stuff. Right. Um, they actually had some pretty interesting games that I didn't expect to see there. Yeah. Um. So, including, like, all of the Zombicide line. I was
1: going to say, they had, like, a whole shelf of
0: Zombicide. Yeah, which is very rare to find them all together. Usually, right. you'll see the newest one, um, but very rarely do you see all of them like there.
1: Right, they had the Black Plague, they had the the space one, like, I mean, yep. and then all the expansions that have come out with it as well. Yep.
0: they had a bunch of uh, the DC deck building game, which is another one that you usually don't see right. um, around a lot, um, but yeah, there was a bunch of cool board game stuff, and then they had row upon row upon row of, like, tabletop RPG stuff, miniatures, Warhammer, like, all different kinds of stuff, just a tons of options
1: and it's really well organized yeah that's what i liked um like you said there are rows and literally like several rows and like the warhammer aisle, you go down on the left is your age of sigmar stuff on the right was your 40k and then it was divided up by faction as you move down the row yeah. which is really good if you know what you're looking for you know to be able to just walk down there and i mean they're like they were what six foot high yeah. like shelves um, so lots and lots of product. Yeah. Uh, the TTRPG section was another like row into itself. And there was, of course, you know, your 5e stuff. Um, but there was a lot of other like
0: like niche TTRPGs. Yeah. Like I saw the uh, they had the Firefly one right. there. Um, let's see, there was a couple others that kind of stuck out to me that you just usually you just don't see them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely kind of uh, unto themselves. You know, like you, you, not... The popular like big name ones, um, and then like an entire an entire wall of minis and you know figures and yep. terrain and stuff like that to paint. Um, so a lot of stuff. Then then they did have a room up in the front corner that we were able to peek into.
0: Yep, that looked like it had a like a tabletop um, like RPG type table.
1: Yes, they had um, the one of the battle mats laid out the yep. the wet erase battle maps. So I'm assuming that. They play from there. Um, they also had a little bit of room in the back. There were some people back there playing. I wouldn't dig a chance to see what. As well as upstairs, they have a play area.
0: Yep. So, one of the things I did like is they're looking for group board. Yes. Uh, that was really cool. So, they have a, going back to their play area, they have a large, like two whiteboards put together basically mm. that people could come and like write notes and stuff on. Yes. Yep. Of, like what they're looking to play, or whether it's like an RPG game, or there were people looking for Warhammer games. There were people looking for like just to play Yu Gi Oh with other people. Like so, any type of game you were looking for people to play, um, you could put that on there. I even saw somebody had done like a full printout of their D and D game they wanted to run, I, yeah, um, and had stuck that up on there, which was really cool. Um, being able to advertise and find people locally. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely a good idea.
1: Yeah, I like that. I really like And again, that goes back to that, you know, like we talked about, that these gaming stores aren't just about, you know, the retail. I mean, it is about part of the community. Yep. Um, that was really cool. I really like that. And then, and then there was a note on there, too, that, I mean, every – at the first of the month, they clear that board. Yeah. So it keeps it from getting cluttered. And you, if you're still looking, I guess you go back. So Yeah. Um, I know that there were and there were some like cards and some business cards and stuff in there, which we might have left a few of our dapper meeple. So (laughs) if any of you are joining us from Hampton right now, welcome. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that one was really cool, though. But like you said, that's the one that kind of sparked this interest in me. And I was like, hey, are there places that we've been missing? And yeah, yeah, there were. The next one we went to uh, was kind of it was kind of small in the location that it was in. It was the Jersey Cards and Games.
0: Yeah, so this one you almost had to know it was there,
1: right? This this is the one that didn't have the name; it just said games, like, and it's like the marquee type sign, or, yeah, like yeah, the
0: big sign on on it. Yeah, so we found this one. Um, it, it was kind of a small shop, but they had a lot of cool, um, mainly geared towards, like card games and things like that because of the space that they had um they did have some uh like figurines and stuff like that um wasn't that i think they had the giant didn't they have the tiamat in there
1: yes they did the the gargantuan yeah the colored tiamat from WizKids. yeah but they had it and i'm just gonna put a plug in theirs was like 350 where normally he's been about
0: 400 yeah
1: so just letting you know
0: if if anybody's in the market for that
1: (laughs) for a a tiamat
0: Yeah. yeah Unfortunately, we have a giant Galactus coming, so <laughs> we only have so much room.
1: But next year, we're gonna get both of them, and they're gonna fight. It's gonna be <laughs> awesome <laughs> on the new table.
0: Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a. It was a cool little shop. They had a bunch of stuff. Um, they had like a little clearance section in the front. They had some like. Um, they had a small little comic section too there in the front side of it. Yeah. Um, but it seemed like they were geared very much towards. Um, like trading card and collectible card games.
1: Right. And they had a they looked like they had stuff going on in the back cuz we were actually out on the new release weekend for Magic.
0: Uh they had I I think they had either run their events already mm-hmm. or cuz I think those guys were there opening new packs, but I don't think they were actually playing. But so. they did have
1: some area back there and then they yeah. did have the uh the wizards of the coast board out front where you can list your weekly events. So they do run events out of there. Um, it was really nice. I picked up a figurine. Um, I picked up an, uh, Adeptus from the order of the blood Rose, uh, because I haven't seen her. She's from McFarlane. Um, and I've kind of had this obsession with them since I started getting into the Warhammer stuff. (laughs) Um, I just, they're all women that are work for the church and their faith is just like all they do. Like, these are some angry, angry people. And they just like, oh, we love the God Emperor so much that nothing else matters. Like, oh, well, demons will possess you. Nope, they can't. Like, <laughs> there's some serious faith and bolters going on there. So, yeah. So, I picked up a, a figurine from them. Um, the thing that got me it was a small store, like a small space, like we said. It was clean, though. Like, I, I can't yeah. emphasize the importance of a clean store. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just... From us going around and looking, that's one of the things that I always like. I'm looking at it like, are you guys taking care of the space? Does it look inviting? You yeah. know,
0: it it was definitely full. Um, There are probably some things that could be a little different. But when you are limited with that much space, you can only do. There's only so much you can do. Right. Um, as far as just trying to get product where people can get their hands on it. Yeah. So
1: they did have another location too, up in Newport News because this was in Hampton. And the Newport News location, he said, was a little bit bigger and was kind of more geared towards some wargaming type stuff. Yeah. So there, uh, uh, there's something else you can go look at as well. We didn't get a chance to make it up there. Um, the last one that we'd found Atomic Comic Emporium. Um, like, I want to start off by saying that I liked this place. It definitely, like, the place, it looks like it may have been a warehouse before. I, I don't know how to really describe it. It was very like tall, very industrial type ceilings. Um, and it looked like they had like, first of all, it, they had a lot. They had a lot of comics. They had a lot of comic memorabilia. yeah They had a lot of statues. um Like there was a lot of like tchotchke stuff hanging from the
0: ceiling. And the whole helmet display that they had. Right. Yep.
1: um Like the place, it looked a little messy, but it it, it felt like it kind of worked for them.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would describe it more like cluttered probably would be the way I would describe it just cuz it they had they had a lot more space than the last than the jersey's comics and games but like all that space was full.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. U, like they are utilizing every inch of that. They're getting their money's worth. Yeah. Every month for that lease. Um and there was a lot of stuff. Uh like I said, comics, tons of comics. Like there was boxes and stuff over like the big standup boxes uh there was a lot of memorabilia type things like cardboard cutouts there was a lot of like toys older ones newer ones there was a lot of like um like figurines and stuff that you could buy um but the section that we were really interested in is they did have a section that was kind of a game section
0: yeah they had um both uh board games back there in the corner and Then there was a bunch of sections with like RPG stuff. Yes. um, Including um, some really cool miniatures, like some of the official like WizKids miniatures um, that were tough to find. Yeah. Like they had the entire set uh, from the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Yes. uh, Which was really cool to to see uh, because I was looking at that set online and hadn't ever seen it in person. So that was cool to find there. Uh, One of the really cool things that you liked were they had a lot of old. Older edition stuff.
1: Right. Like you said, I started playing in second edition. Um, and I really like it, it wasn't long before third came out, but I mean my first couple forays into an actual game, you know, were about me learning. So I guess there's a little bit of nostalgia in that. Like I remember one of the first characters that I remember playing, um, actually my DM had us meet Driss Duarden and I did. I wasn't aware that I was supposed to be scared of a dark elf. So I didn't. I didn't know were mad. I were bad. I know what you want. You know, um, but
0: you were just th- ahead of your time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> see, I was so damn progressive. Um, I just there's a lot of nostalgia for that, and you know, you see the artwork and stuff is very specific. Like the modules were very specific. They had like a, a ton of like second edition modules, and some of the rarer yeah. ones. Um, some of them were a little beat up. I will tell you. And then they had some 3.5 stuff over there too. Um, some of them looked like they might have been water damaged and somebody just brought them in and they were like, yeah, hey, whatever, we'll throw them on the shelf, you know. Yeah. Um, but there were some good ones in there. There were definitely some, there were some gems if I'd have had more time to sit and go through um, that I would definitely have picked up. Um, and yeah. you're talking like anywhere from like 15 to like 30 bucks for one of these, dep- again, depending on the condition that it was in. Yeah. Um, so definitely they were used and stuff, but that was kind of cool. There was also a lot of... Um, Again, there was a lot of TTRPGs that were not as popular. I know they had a big section for Starfinder, right? Which is I didn't think was that popular. I, I want to say that's based off of the old 3.0 system. think like it's a D20 system. Um, or is that one the new five? Was that the five E one?
0: Yeah, that's the new Pathfinder edition that came out. The uh, where they they changed so 3.5. Yeah,
1: um, so that was cool. Um, and then there was a lot of little stuff on the side. Like there were some older games as well. Yeah, um, and you could tell like the boxes had been around a while, and you know, um, but it was definitely worth it. And they did have some fifth edition stuff. They did have some Magic The Gathering in there.
0: Yeah, they actually had a, a large selection of singles. Yes, um, there was a full like wraparound case. There were some vertical cases as well. Right, that right. had a ton of uh, some rarer singles as well. Um, they. Like, all the cases were, like, locked up tight. <laughs> so, uh, but I did see them, like, customers would go, like, they would find what they want and then go ask for them. Right. And then they would go and unlock Pull the case them. for them and stuff. So, um, the one thing they did, one of the rules that I thought was interesting that I hadn't seen before, uh, each card had a price tag on it. But they made sure to have a sign that said, hey, we'll, we're will we going to check the price before we sell it to you just to get the most updated price. Yeah. So, I thought that was pretty interesting because... Um, usually you don't see singles priced. Yeah. They're just kind of sitting there because obviously you're going to get whatever market value is for them. Sure, so. yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it was... Um, I, I I thought the store was cool. They actually did have a pre-release event going in the back.
1: While we were there, yep. yep. Um,
0: which seemed to be... I mean, they had about 10, 15 people there.
1: I was going to say, they had, they had a pretty good little section open for Game Table back there.
0: Yeah. yeah. There was another room as well, like back towards the back right corner the one with that, the beholder
1: hanging over it yep
0: yeah. that also had a bunch of tables in it that uh, there wasn't anybody out but a pretty good substantial gaming space yep so
1: and it looked like they ran events weekly things like that so yep. i mean definitely go check them out um yeah so this was like i said our trip around hampton roads to see if we could find some of these hidden gems and i think we did pretty well with it like i will definitely be revisiting some of those stores
0: yeah no uh, absolutely absolutely
1: and going if there's something that I need or something that I'm looking for or, or just need to go back you know uh, game stores are my happy place so um, <laughs> if I need to go visit one I know where they are now yep So like we do every week, welcome to our Kickstarter roundup, which that name will eventually change. But for now, uh, we're going to run with that. We've got three projects that we found that we were really interested in. The first one is a um, pretty interesting tile system for your TTRPGs if you're wanting to build your own terrain. We have a drop-in kind of adventure slash uh, set of rules uh, for running your own pub crawl um, in whatever system that you're running. And then we've got a uh, pretty interesting board game uh, by a first-time publisher that we want to talk about. So let's jump right in with the Epoch Tiles.
0: So with this one, we it, there's not a lot of time left on it as we're at time of recording, but we wanted to mention it because it is a very cool idea and system that they've come up with. So Epoch Tiles is a... company that is making 3d terrain tiles that all snap together with magnets
1: right very much kind of reminiscent of uh, uh dwarven forge is kind of how they look but each of the tile pieces has magnets around the outside of it allowing you to connect them um and hold so they'll hold tight as well as having like walls and things that you can put in to kind of finish out your terrain.
0: Right. So the pieces are both magnetic on the sides as well as on the tops. They are reversible. So each side has a different kind of terrain depending on what you're kind trying to build. Right. They have little trees and stumps and stuff like that that you can put that will snap onto the different tile pieces. So all in all, this looks like a really cool set that they've come up with.
1: Right. This is one of those projects that is already backed. Right. So... Um, it's already it's going to happen. Uh, like we said, we only have four days as of time recording, but if they run a uh, backer kit or something, you may be able to do a late pledge. So let's talk about what you could do. So there's the $10 pledge just because you believe in the project. But at this point, I mean, it's already getting, you should still believe, you should already believe. It's going to make it. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and move on. The next pledge is $100. And that is the starter special. It's uh, about 20 bucks off of what the MSRP is going to be. For one set um, of the of these like dungeon tiles, and you'll be able to choose between um, an ancient woodland or a hidden temple uh, yep. for the sets.
0: So the basic differences in them is color variation of the tiles. Um, the hidden temple is basically stone and and like sand, whereas the ancient woodland is going to be like the stone and then like the green grass areas. Um, it also comes with um various other pieces, either columns or trees or walls, depending on which of the two sets that you you pick. Um, there are also bonus pieces on each set. Uh, so that come with it. So, for instance, the hidden temple one has um, like some braziers with flames. Um, It's got like some stairs, whereas the woodlands has um, like some large trees, uh, some like wood growth walls, some like random totems kind of thing. So a lot of really cool stuff that'll go into there.
1: We've already unlocked. I know one of the uh, Kickstarter uh, stretch goal unlocks was the endless sands as well, which gives you tiles that are designed in sand or water. So um the next pledge is a 225 pledge. So this is getting pricey. Um and it's about $45 off of what the MSRP would be. Um you can choose between uh the you can choose the like I say just like before uh Ancient Woodland or Hidden Temple. Uh and it also includes five bonus pieces, which are two by two tiles. Uh, five bonus pine trees, five bonus inner walls, castle style, um, and two epoch tile kits um, for the bottom. Uh, so you get a little bit more with that. Um, and then it jumps up to $500 for the dragon special level.
0: Which is you get four different sets, basically. Right. Um, in any variation. Uh, this also comes with uh, some adventures that they have together to kind of go with them, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, so you get to um, kind of work out how they plan on their stuff being used, which is, is I mean, that's a pretty cool way to put it. Um, also, they have, at this level and above, you can participate in a survey for their future releases.
1: Right. Um, and from there, uh, it goes up to a $1,500 pledge level.
0: Which is, to be fair, it's $500 off what MSRP would be.
1: Sure, it's 10 kits Plus thirty bonus pieces of the two by two, 30 bonus pine trees. You can build a whole forest with this damn thing. Thirty <laughs> bonus inner walls and ten of the Epoch tile kits uh, that come along with it. Uh, we just thought this was a really interesting way to do this. I know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of competitors out there. Um, I haven't seen anybody using magnets yet.
0: Yeah, no, and um, this seems to be fairly new. Uh, one of the cool things I did see on that last set is the. Um, <laughs> They have a Mimic tile, <laughs> so that that's pretty cool. That comes with the, the last pledge. Um, but anyway, these, these all seem like very well built, though the videos of them kind of snapping them together and unsnapping them seems like it all goes together really easy, which is definitely a, something that you would want with this kind of product.
1: Uh, next up. So this one uh, we found. This is another one. It's only got a few days left on it. It's got six days as of time of recording. Um, but it was just, it looked so much fun. This is called Barkeep on the Borderlands.
0: This one is a drop-in supplement for whatever type of RPG game you're running. Um, it's supposed to be uh, system independent.
1: Yes, it is a system neutral pub crawl point crawl adventure. So they give a list of some of the different RPGs that you can drop this into. Um, it fits into most systems, they say, including Old School Essentials, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Nave. Into the Odd, Black Hack, White Hack, Worlds Without Numbers, Pathfinder, and 5e. Um, So basically what this is, is it is a pub crawl. um, Kind of an adventure in and of itself, where your group is participating in a a kind of a competition-type pub crawl that happens annually or whatever. Um, And they make an adventure out of the pub crawl. Instead of just kind of having one of those nights where... You know, your RP is just kind of going down that road. This turns it into a little bit more of an adventure. So a little bit more risk, a little bit more reward. Um, I thought it was really cool. uh, And I'm always a fan of being able to, like, side mission, you know, a campaign.
0: Absolutely. One of the things I really like about this is the way they have done it. So going through the Kickstarter, they actually got a bunch of other authors to each basically write their own bar. I, I like that they're going to have each of these artists get to put their own little piece into this. So instead of having to come up with the, the bars off the top of your head, uh, I feel like this would also be cool just to drop into, like, whatever campaign you're already in, right? If you're not planning on doing the full pub crawl type um, of adventure, I mean, how many times does your average adventuring party end up in a tavern? Right. Um, if it didn't start there, usually a few <laughs> times, right? Right. <laughs> So this gives you some fun, different options for these different kinds of bars that you can drop into your campaigns.
1: And so let's talk price on this one. That was one of the things that really impressed me. Um, Just for the PDF, it is a $10 pledge. So you get a full color PDF plus all of the stretch goals, which all of the stretch goals seem to be the different authors designing their bars. So you have more bars to throw in um, into your possible, into your own adventures.
0: Right, and then the next level is for twenty dollars. You get both a PDF and a physical copy of it. Um, so again, twenty bucks for something like this is awesome deal.
1: Especially with all the goal, especially with all the stretch goals that they've already unlocked. Right. Like, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, for thirty bucks, you can get the PDF, you can get the uh, the hard copy, and you can get either a poster or a coaster set. Um, that was part of the stretch goals,
0: right? Which there are pictures of both of those in the Kickstarter. Uh, looks like a set of four coasters that have, uh, four of the tavern names on there. Uh, which are, uh, the bird cage, the original tavern, uh, our lady of the sacred speakeasy. That one. I love that one. <laughs> uh, in the, the ship of thesis.
1: So, and then $40 is the final pledge level where you get all of it. Posters and coaster set. Uh, the actual hard copy and the PDF. Um, kind of a cheap supplement to be able to throw into your stuff, which it looks entertaining. I uh, would definitely, definitely be interested in this. I'm I'm probably gonna at least get the PDF on this one for, uh just for my own campaigns.
0: Right. So I mean, for for ten dollars, like I said, it, almost every campaign has a tavern in it. So this gives you options upon options of taverns to use in your campaign
1: right and they're all unique and it looks good yep so let's move on to one i'm excited to talk about i found this one as we were just kind of like going through uh, different game kickstarters this one is called dogfight it is a 2v2 biplane board game that's all about communicating asymmetric information in real time where the enemy can hear everything you say So the game says that it's good for, I think it says two to five people. Um, But really, they say this game shines with four people. You and your partner are in a biplane. And apparently, for some reason, you're
0: dogs. (laughs) Because it's called dogfight. Right, right. I get it. Yeah, I
1: get it. Um, So that's what the artwork (laughs) is. Uh, So you are uh, flying as a pilot and a gunner. And you have to relay information as a pilot, like, hey, I'm going to turn left. I need you to shoot right. Um, just to try to get that information to your gunner. Um, but the other, the, your opponents are sitting right at the table with you so they can hear it. So your communication can't be just plain, you know, you shoot here, I'm going to do this. Yep. You have to find ways to send that message without the other team knowing it's coming. And being able to react to it. That part of the game seems to be what is the most entertaining part. There's a couple of videos on their uh, Kickstarter uh, page that uh, talk a little bit about the game. And then there's one where they kind of do a gameplay walkthrough for it.
0: Right, so this game has 26 days to go, so there's still plenty of time to hop on this one um, and go and check it out. They are about halfway to their funding goal, um, just under half, so they they still need a little bit of help to get there. Uh, this does seem like an exciting game. It's a first-time publisher, like we mentioned before, uh, but the artwork on it looks really cool, and like you said, the, the idea behind having to communicate information to your partner without actually showing them, because you're not allowed to show the cards you have in your hand to to your partner. You can only communicate to them using whatever you want to do. <laughs> that's up to you
1: to figure out. I think yeah. that's the beauty of this game: is you have to get creative to be able to talk to each other um, and be able to be successful. So uh, this game, you can if you're interested and you want to go try it out, you can find a copy on Tabletopia or the tabletop simulator.
0: So this game, of course, has the $1 pledge where you can do a dollar now, and then when the pledge manager comes out, you can decide which way you want to go on it. Um, the actual first pledge level for to get the game, um, they still have some early bird copies left. Mm-hmm. So they have about 60 as of time of recording. Uh, $26 gets you a copy of the game. Right. Uh, which is a pretty good price. That's... For a game that is mostly cards, um, it does have a cool little like cardboard plane miniatures. Right. Which that you get to put together. 26 bucks seems about right where you want to be. So the next level was going to be your standard price after the early birds, which is $33. Again, still not terrible for what you're looking at doing. Now, this doesn't include shipping like most Kickstarters don't. So we would have to see that what comes out of that when the Pledge Manager comes out.
1: Right, because that's one thing to point out, that this is coming out of Australia.
0: Yep. Um, the next one is you can get two copies of it for $47, uh, which, is, again, if you think this is a game that you would enjoy and possibly somebody else, uh, definitely a chance to grab it. That puts you at only spending $23, give or take, for per copy. Yeah, yeah. So... That is very good. Um, that is uh, that's the early bird bundle for the two copies. Um, and then we we keep going down. The next level that they have um, is one copy with all the unlocked stretch goals. And you get your dog's name entered into the game's manual hall of heroes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of the flying aces. Um, so I know that I have people out there who are like, dog lovers like the type of people like i don't want to have children i have a dog and if that's you and you like board games maybe this game is something you want to look at you want to immortalize your beloved pet (laughs) in the hall of heroes of dog fight well here's your option right here it's about 47 bucks um but i thought that was pretty cool i did look at uh some of them that are already gone now the pledge is already gone but there was one where you could have an artist actually draw your dog into the game. <laughs> um, there was like, I think there was like eight of those, but they've all been taken. Oh, um, that's perfect. Yeah. Sorry to uh, sorry. But from there, it kind of just goes on um, for 57 bucks. You get two copies of dog fight um, with all of the, the stretch goals.
0: That is just the regular backing. The 47 was still for the early backing for the two.
1: Oh, okay. For okay. The two copies. Got it. Got it. That's the regular one. And then there's a vendor backing level if you're a game store um, and you're interested in it. It just it looks like a lot of fun and watching the gameplay of it. So uh, definitely make, go look at this one. Um, this just this has a lot of fun written all over it, um, and it is a first time publisher. So uh, we want to grow the hobby. We're going to need them, you know, in the long run. That has been our Kickstarter roundup. Like I said at the beginning, we are looking for new ideas for the name of our crowdfunding we bring it to you segment so if you've got any uh send them to us on instagram you know what and with that we're going to take the last escape pod and speed away from the exploding ship we may have lost the game but as i hug my alien egg close i realize that i've completed my own goals
0: for the dapper meeple i've been josh
1: and i'm jim good night everyone
0: thanks everyone for sticking around and listening to our show
1: if you enjoyed it let me ask you a favor follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast it really helps us out
0: and if you have anything to say back to us you can find us on instagram and facebook by searching for the dapper meeple on twitter our handle is at the dapper meeple or email us at dapper at gmail.com
1: and as always we'll save you a seat at the table